This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You may remember a couple of years ago a, a pretty good story of, of a woman who started to work for the Arizona Cardinals of the National Football League, but what made it unique was her job. She was coaching the linebackers. Her name, Jen Welter, and she joins us, and she's here to tell part of her story from her time in the National Football League, but uh, her life in general in her new book, Play Big, Lessons in Being Limitless from the First Woman to Coach in the National Football League. And it's great to have Dr. Jen Welter holding her Master's in Sports Psychology from Boston College joining us on the show right now. Jen, thank you for your time today. Good morning. Good morning. Thank so you. Good to be here. Thank you. And I guess the, the the piece I'll start off with is is your love of the game of football, which obviously played out in part as a coach, but uh, played out a lot as as a professional football player in women's professional leagues. Yeah, it did. Um, I I was blessed with um, I I would call it a storied career in football. I got to play for about fourteen years in women's football. And in that time, you know, we got four of the, you can't call them Super Bowls, but it's the equivalent of the Super Bowls if it was men, not women, right. you know, that kind of thing. So we got four championships, um, two gold medals. I think I was an eight-time pro bowler and all of that as the girl who was told she was too little to do it the <laughs> whole time. So um, I love sharing that with people because a lot of the times they have a, quite a different image of what it of what success looks like. And, and for me, it was all of five foot two in, in uh, the ultimate boys club. Uh, what's interesting is that, and you write about this early in the book is the fact that you, you don't want this to be perceived as a football story. This is really a life story that just happened to play out in the world of football. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's important for so many people. And I learned that lesson when I first got done with the NFL, I would talk to people and they're like, Oh, well, I don't know anything about football. And I'm like, yeah, but this is life. You know, it, it's not as if the fundamentals change just because the game is different. And I like people to see that because, you know, to me there are insights to the lives of people in football. Right. But it's um, it's stories and overcoming and even how to handle tough situations that could be on any field, in any field, um, across life. And I, w- I want people to know that. And so there are elements of this that, as you kind of allude to, uh, would play out, whether it be in the in the uh, locker room or the coach's room of a National Football League team or in the uh, in the C-suite of a, of a Fortune 500 company or even a smaller company as well. Oh, without a doubt. You know, I, I use lessons from one of the best leaders I know, which is Bruce Arians, for example. And, you know, Bruce and I even talked about – his decision-making process on bringing me in, because that's a tough choice, you know, and and that's one of the things I always tell people is I'm like, you know, let's not just focus on the fact that I did a good job, and and I'm thankful that I did, but I had to get the opportunity to do that job, and the reason that happened is because I had a man who you know well, Bruce Arians, who has the philosophy of no risk it, no biscuit, and this is the right (laughs) thing, and we're going to make this work, and he was willing to bet his entire coaching legacy on me. And there are some parts in there that says, you know, how he set up um, the situation for success. For example, you know, to make this big move, he talked to his players first. He wanted to know 
that the guys were supportive and that they were behind him because you know and I know if the guys wouldn't listen, yeah. it didn't matter if I was freaking the, the second coming of Tom Landry. It wouldn't have <laughs> worked. And so he got the buy-in from his players. They were excited and involved, and that's something that I think is really neat is that all of these guys were behind it. Um, and then once he had the players' involvement, he took it up the food chain. Because if the players weren't behind it, then then why do it? Bruce Arians, uh, for what Jen was alluded to, was the head coach at Temple University when I was going to Temple as a, as an undergrad. And uh, I jokingly said to, to Jen before I had, I knew Bruce when he had a lot of hair on his head. So obviously uh, he has come a long way, and he's obviously done a, an incredible job. But uh, it take us through, if you wouldn't mind, just the process of, of what you went through in terms of the interview to, to potentially be here. You mentioned about taking it to the players, but I would think the, the, the process that you went through is, is somewhat very interesting. Sure, it was. And I, I would tell anybody, um, don't necessarily follow in my footsteps at times. Right. Because my entree to men's professional football was the most painful way possible. Um, I actually played a season in men's pro football in the indoor football league for the Texas Revolution. And that was also a first. Um, I was a running back. So I mm. literally learned my lessons the hardest way. I got tackled by those big guys every single day. Yeah. But um, they taught me a lot in the process. And, and we learned how to work together um, and to, to come kind of through our differences. And so after playing on, this, on the team for a year, we had a new head coach the following season, Wendell Davis, former Dallas Cowboy. And he saw the way me and all the guys were together. Right. And he called me the next day and was like, you have to coach my football team. And now, mind you, this is after him grilling me quite a bit the night before. Right. But I was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and he was like, what do you mean? No, not a lot of guys are going to give you this opportunity. You're taking this job. And I said, no, I don't want to coach football. I've, I'd never even thought about coaching football. And that's a very real thing because I couldn't look at the sidelines and say, I want to be her when I grow up. Right. There were no women coaching in the indoor football league or, or any football league that I could see. And so it had never crossed my mind as even one of the best players in the world. And so um, I essentially hung up on Wendell. Uh, he <laughs> called me back the next day and he said, do you remember how I told you not a lot of the guys were going to give you this opportunity and you were taking this job? And I said, yeah. He goes, good, because I took it for you. You're coaching for me, and by the way, you can't quit. Otherwise, the story will be, for women coaching in men's football, will be, we had a girl once, and she quit. So I lovingly say that Wendell drop-kicked me into success. Um, with, with, you know, um, and he saw something in me before I even saw it in myself, right? Yeah. And so as I'm coaching that team, um, the NFL hires Sarah Thomas as the first full-time female ref in NFL history. Yep. And in response to that move, um, I like to say it's kind of dominoes in history, right? Somebody asked Bruce Arians, because if you don't know Bruce Arians, one of the greatest things about him is he will always tell you the truth. Yep. It may not be a truth that you really want to hear, um, but he's not one of those coaches who will give you the um, – the old, like, you know, the team at the end of the game with the most points will win. Right. No. He's going to mm. tell you what you got to do to get there and, and how he's going to get you there. And so somebody asked Bruce if he could ever see a female coaching in the NFL. And Bruce said, 
the second a woman proves that she can make these guys better, she'll be hired. So arena football, we practice really early in the morning because the guys have to go to their other jobs after practice. And so one particular day I talked to my head coach about it and he said, you know, we should call Bruce. And I'm looking at him like he's crazy (laughs) because, you know, who am I to pick up the phone and call the Arizona Cardinals? But, you know, he kind of challenged me to it and, I ended up with a lot of spare time on my hands that day. And, you know, being a female athlete is, is a full-time hustle. You have to have, like, 47 jobs. And on that day, I invented a new one. And it was not assistant coach. It was assistant to the head coach. And I called the Arizona Cardinals on behalf of myself as if I wasn't myself. And I worked my way to Bruce's assistant. <laughs> and Bruce's assistant, Wesley, told me, you know, I think Coach Arians would really want to take this call. You know, I, I made it sound really good, you know. Um, and he said, but we're a little busy. It was right before the NFL draft. Can't imagine why he didn't have time just to take my phone call. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so, you know, I thought I had gotten blown off, but I was really proud of myself for calling, you know. And about two weeks later, I walked into practice, and my head coach was elated. He said, you'll never guess who I talked to yesterday for about an hour. And I was like, you know, I have no idea. Coach, it's like 530 in the morning. I'm sleepy. And he said it was Bruce Aarons. And he said, tell me about this girl. Yeah. And from that time, you know, a few other things happened, but he eventually invited me out to OTAs, and that's organized team activities. And... I'm on the sidelines, and I meet Bruce for the first time. And the thing that impressed about me the most, and, you know, this is far from football. This is leadership, period. Here is this man who is the most powerful man out there, hands down. Mm -hmm. He is the head coach of this team. And here's a girl who the closest I'd ever been to the sidelines of an NFL game at that point in my career was the nosebleed section. (laughs) And yet you would never know. Yeah. Bruce came over to me and I was the most important person on that sidelines at least in his eyes for about 30 minutes. What and do you what do you think it is and you were there you know for the preseason uh in 2015. What do you think it is that you learned in that in that time that that really it has stuck with you the most? You know, there's so much um and a lot of it started that day. And it's really about leadership and listening and investing in someone else and getting to know them as an individual. You know, Bruce says he wants to know if you can read somebody's eyes. And he liked the way I read it, read their eyes. Mm -hmm. And what that means to Bruce is being able to look at somebody and know that no two people are alike. And can you see what's different in one guy than the other? And can you give them what they need? And and I say guys because it was guys. Um, Can you get them what they need in that moment? And it might be very different from one person to the next. Or can you see a guy when he's gotten lost because he took the coaching too hard? Or, you know, somebody's down on themselves. And and can can you invest in them? And Bruce used to say he learned that ability from when he was a bartender. Right. And... I think that that's one of the greatest business lessons or life lessons that we forget sometimes. And it's really the power of the individual within a group and that that should never get lost. And I don't care what group that is. 
you are powered by your people and your people are your most valuable asset because nothing functions without them. And if you lose that, especially in an industry where we often forget that these men are not gladiators, they're not robots, they're not superheroes, they're very real people outside or inside of very real paths. That, to me, is one of those things. And with that comes what I always talk about, and that's being 100% authentic. Right. It is not trying to coach like somebody else or be like somebody else or lose yourself in the process. It's realizing that everything about you, every bit of experience that has come to make you exactly who you are, makes you uniquely qualified. And you have to honor that voice and that vision because that's what teamwork and leadership is about is owning your own special sauce and being willing to chime into the conversation. Well, and, and there is there is just and I'd love you to relay this story because I when I read it, I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, the first game uh, that you were coaching, uh, you wanted to do something special for your players and you couldn't go into the locker room. So you decided that you wanted to write notes to the players to kind of inspire them. And I'll let you pick up the story from there because, one, it's unique because I guess it had never happened before. But, two, uh, it, it really does serve to the level of communication you can have not only with your players but in the business sense with employees to make them better. Absolutely. And it shows how much you care and that you sat down and took the time. Right? So writing those notes came from a piece of advice on one of my my very dear friends and mentors who unfortunately recently passed away, um, and that's Terry Glenn. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Terry Glenn, who was, a, you know, a storied receiver with a challenged, you know, at times career um, or life, he was just a very real person. And we coached together at the Revolution, and before I left, he said, Jen, I've been thinking a lot about you going to the NFL. And the best advice I can give you is to be 100% authentic. He said, if you are exactly the same person that you are with here with us here every single day with those guys in the NFL, they will absolutely love you. But if you're fake in any way, they will sense it and they will eat you alive. Right. And it's the truest thing I can say about those guys because – you know, they really did embrace my differences, right, and what made me different. And part of that was those notes. You know, it, it was, uh, here I am, it's the night before this first game, and everybody's talking about me, and the pressure is kind of unbearable. And I found myself getting too much in my own head, right? And so I realized that just as much as it was a big day for me the next day, it was that day for all of my guys. You know, it was that that moment that they had dreamt about since the very first time they caught a football and told their mom, you know, Mom, I'm going to play in the NFL one day. Right. It was that day. And each of us in that has those moments of doubt and moments of weakness or those voices in our head that maybe aren't so kind. And I just really wanted the voices that they heard in their head to not be anybody else's but mine. And so I revisited some of the conversations and the moments that we'd had in training camp and the things that I thought they really needed as a person and as an individual to be successful beyond the playbook. 
and I sat up all night and I wrote these notes to these guys and went through it. You'd have to read it because it's a longer story. What, you know, the reactions I got from people in leaving those notes in their locker. Well, just the fact that the defensive coach, the defensive coordinator, I guess was, was a little bit caught off guard when you said you wanted to do it. Oh my gosh. He, you know, he thought it was the game plan. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and anybody who's around football knows right. the game plan or the install goes in Wednesday, right? So he looked at me and he was like, uh, Coach, it's a little too late for notes. You know, we, we put in the game plan on Wednesday, and yep. here I am with this plastic bag, um, you know, the mandatory clear plastic bag of handwritten notes that are in note cards, mind you. This is not like a page of notes um, pretty much buried into my chest thinking, oh, my gosh, maybe this was the worst screw-up in the history of the National Football League. Right. And that maybe there were no, there was no place for notes or the woman who wrote them. And he kind of paused in, in a few of the longest seconds that I've ever experienced in my life. And in that time, you know, I doubted myself and what I had done. And he kind of, you know, it became that tilt your head to the side and, huh, let me think about this. <laughs> And then he finally said, "Wait, yeah, okay. Go ahead and leave the, the notes in their lockers. Tell the equipment guys I said it was okay. And I pretty much ran out of the room before I thought he would have a chance to change his mind. Um, but when I put the notes in their lockers, I, you know, it was finally like, okay, this is done. A couple of guys said, Coach, appreciate those words. And I didn't really realize what was going to happen from there. I kind of thought it was Vegas. You know, yeah. what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Until a reporter, because you guys do such a good job finding these things out. Absolutely. Yes, you you dig so well. <laughs> came up to me after the game, and she she said, you know, history was made tonight at University of Phoenix Field. The very first time a female takes the sidelines as a coach, and we heard that you did something very special for your players. You left notes in their lockers. Yeah. Would you care to comment? And I was like, oh, oh, my gosh, you guys sold me out. Yeah. Right? Oh, they do. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and I went up to Kevin Minter, who was my huddle caller, right? That, that was my captain on the field, and uh, it was apparently him who had told them. And I said, Kev, you know, you kind of sold me out. And this is the guy who I said, you know, you got to own your huddle, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he just looked at me and he folded his arms and he said, Coach, that was special and they needed to know. And I just thought, you know, here we are in one of the roughest, toughest sports, arguably the roughest, toughest position in that sport. And they said it was special and everybody needed to know. I will I will say this, and and I spent 13 years working in minor league baseball and, and in a lot of locker rooms as well, and, and so I will you know kind of lead it down this path. It is amazing what that relationship is when you're inside that locker room, uh, or you're within that community, and it can be the same the same thing on, on the business world as well, especially with now companies looking to have more teams as well. That relationship with those people is critical to the success both personal success and business success. Absolutely. When, you know, and we all know this intuitively, but I don't think we talk about it enough, right? When, and we can see it physically in sports, right? Right. When performance varies, 
quite a bit from one day to the next. One day you're the superstar, the next day you look like you're in the wrong the wrong building. Right. Right? When that difference happens dramatically, the difference isn't physical, it's mental. Generally, what has happened is something outside of your life is impacting your performance. I don't care how good you are, you don't always leave those things at the door. And great leaders and great teammates recognize this. Like, hey, what's going on? Do you need to take a minute to talk? Right? Yeah. And those little things become really big things because then it's like it's not just a J-O-B, right? Sure. It's something that you enjoy doing because of the people that you're doing it with and that you know you can huddle up with these people even when the world isn't isn't being so kind or or something is going terribly wrong or you're yeah. worried about your child or your mom or somebody outside of there. And when you have that relationship um, of the people that you want to be in the trenches with, that you care about, there's not much that beats that. Yeah. And it can't it, it can't and it shouldn't be overlooked. Well, Jen, I will I will end it on this. And having gone through this book, um, it, it, take this at the level of praise that uh, it is certainly intended. Uh, I enjoyed this book so much. I am going to have my 11 year old daughter read it because Perfect. I because I think it's important for for uh, for people of all ages to really kind of get a handle on, on this and, and to read this book. So uh, that's how much it, it meant to me. So, Jen, I, I greatly appreciate your time today and we wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Perfect. Absolute pleasure. Anytime. Thank you, Jen. All the best. Jen Welter. Uh, the book is Play Big, Lessons in Being Limitless from the First Woman to Coach in the NFL. Dead serious. I'm having my 11-year-old girl read this. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.